Hello everybody, this is Dr. Fred. I am responsible, I am accountable, I am capable of assisting people to find their true voice and then deliver it effectively into the world around us. With 40 years in mental health, 32 of them as a psychiatrist, and then a massive amount of conversations, including podcasting and expert speaking, keynote speaking, I have the opportunity to really see the magic that it takes to find one's authentic self and then deliver it effectively into the world. And if you're like me, you can see that now more than ever, that's what's called for. So today is that day. Now is that time. Come forth. Join me in the broadcast. You'll see on the other side of this at True Voice with Dr. Fred. Sam, welcome. Oh, man, we got to use our true voices this time. I keep on waiting for the podcast where you're like, all right, this is the false voice podcast this time around. Well, this is a this is a uh, germination kind of conversation. So you're allowed to start off wherever you want, because I have to walk you to your true voice. So if you want to be totally inauthentic and just deliver whatever showing up that has nothing to do with you, or if you want to lie straight up, or if you want to, you know, try to be somebody else's voice instead of yours. Well, I think that's what, what the masses are trying to do, isn't it? In some way, shape or form. Yeah. Actually, you know, this is actually a great segue because you and I were just having a conversation just two days ago that uh, stimulated some thoughts and what that was, was it, it was around, um, basically, if you, you wake up in bed and you're just kind of lying there and not really wanting to necessarily get out, you're just kind of, you know, you're, you're sort of there and you haven't really made anything happen per se yet. You haven't sort of shocked your system in any kind of way. I don't, I, mean, I don't know if shock is the right word, but it is, it is. there's, there's, there's n- nothing that has happened activate, necessarily. Activate, which is maybe. activate. There's, that's a better word. If you haven't really activated your some in some way, physiologically, psychologically, philosophically, you're not actually going to be as true to your voice as you could potentially be. In other words, there is a insidious lure that uh, pulls us back into sort of a collective unconscious sludge that I think every single one of us experiences that actually takes us away from our true voice. And our true voice is something that has to be cultivated on a daily basis. In fact, on a moment by moment basis, there's nothing that is static about the true voice And there's also nothing that is ever going to be absolute about a true voice. You're never going to have any human being, you know, save for maybe some kind of uh, uh, bodhisattva or whatever, some swami or, or sadhu who's just totally elevated beyond the space of thought altogether. Other than that, I don't think you're ever going to have anyone in any place in their lives who has truly gotten to a reached the peak of truth. I don't think that such a peak exists. And so there it is. That's a, that's my opening thought to share. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. So first of all, 
I would like to ask the technician to make sure that we snip out some of that. And we're going to use that as testimonial for our conversation here, because your description about what we're up to here is so spot on. And, you know, we don't need all four or seven minutes of what Sam just said, but there is such great material in there. So I'm asking Don and Doug and you to really pull out some of that and create that as part of our intro or maybe even uh, part of a commercial. So um, that's my first take on it. The, 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 you know, the second, look, let's introduce ourselves because we just launched and we forgot that there are other people listening. So my name is Dr. Fred and I'm, I'm, I'm the founder and creator of both uh, Welcome to Humanity and uh, Find Your True Voice uh, methodology and technology. And what my good friend and, and frequent co-host Sam Morris just spoke up about is exactly why I'm here and what I have as a superpower, if I dare say so, to source others to explore what is in the way of who you are being or what you are saying and what is really there to say. What is in the way of you actually standing for what's still important to you and actually being a self or being a core um, being that is living uh, aligned with what is actually valuable to you uh, or more and more aligned. It's as Sam, I think properly alluded to, this is not something that you um, achieve and then you've been there and done that. And now you get to speak from authority of being a true voice. This is an ongoing process that has to go on and on and on day by day by day, minute by minute by minute. And the fact is, is that inauthenticity and duplicity and an ingenuine nature are always here for me to turn into at any given moment and in for you as well. Now, what's so cool about that is what's also available from that very space is the opportunity to dip in or to dig in, to take a dive and bring out that which is really happening for you right now. True voice is a now phenomena, is a here phenomena. It's not a to sound good phenomena. It's not even something that by any stretch has to stay the same. There is nothing at all that says that what you think about something today has to be the what you think about it tomorrow. Not at all. And, you know, there is a fallacy, there is a serious flaw in society that if you change your mind, it means you are lying. Uh, It means you weren't telling the truth the first time. But true voice allows for mind changing and allows for two things that are juxtaposed to each other, like fundamentally, um, you know, mutually exclusive from each other to actually coexist along the line of a life. I might have believed X uh, a little while ago, and now I not only don't believe X, I actually believe negative X, and X and negative X are both absolutely possibly coming from a true voice. When we can be compassionate about the fact that a true voice comes as a here and now phenomena and is only access to whatever is being experienced in this very moment, and then the capacity to deliver in a self-expressed way what that really is, whether it's through vocality or some of the other arts uh, or uh, creative tactics, self-expressive tactics that humans have designed over time, When we can do that, we can say that we're in our true voice. And, you know, Sam, one of the things I've I've on four, this is my fifth podcast today. And uh, the other four, of course, I was on a host. I mean, I was on a guest. And two of them, 
uh, actually grilled me like, okay, so when do you know that you found your true voice? And that is a really interesting question because what happens, it's like a tuning fork, you know, when you're on your true voice, there's something that resonates with your soul, like boom, 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 boom. And when you're off your true voice, you know it. You know, you know, when you're spitting some bullshit, you know, when you're saying something that is not at all what you really mean, you do. And so does everyone. It just feels different. There's a there's a there's an acknowledgement of I hope I don't get caught with this piece of junk or someone's going to see through this and realize that I'm making it up or maybe even worse. Okay, I just said this to Sam and Sam's friend was Sally. So I better tell Sally something similar so that. You know, when Sam sees Sally, Sally says something similar. How about that? How about that there? When (laughs) Sam sees Sally, Sally says something similar. There you go. Yeah. Well, great. That was a great monologue. Um, And I will add to that. I think there is something that you pointed out that is extremely valuable here. And that I want to sort of sum up in a few words. And that is that. Your true voice is not an amalgamation of your opinions. And I think so often we get those two things confused, that somehow true voice equals the amalgamation of the opinions that you have about yourself and about life. And that if you can spout out your opinions in a way that you feel comfortable with and it feel right to you that that means that you have found your true voice that that's there's nothing true about your opinions or my opinions there's nothing inherently true about any of our opinions our opinions are our conditioning they have nothing to do with truth they are entirely conditioning and everyone's conditioning is going to have a different angle or a different perspective or a different bias. And then there's layers upon layers upon layers of bias. And I like, so that's the first bit. Second bit is I like what you said about feeling kind of like a tuning fork, that there's something that's, it's like, am I resonating in a sense, vibrationally with what feels grounded and aligned and connected? Am I aware of my own opinions enough to have sort of a bit of a removed perspective and able to sort of see them come and go and not attach to those opinions? And am I, am I truly listening in the moment? Or am I sitting here listening to Fred talk and waiting to have some kind of a response based on what I think your audience wants to hear and what I think you want to hear and what I think sounds intelligent. Now there's probably always going to be a piece of my psyche that is doing that. But the question is, is that totally leading in such a way where I'm actually not here and now with you or am I here and now with you is the majority of my awareness here and now with you. That's my sort of, attunement, I suppose, like you were saying, that tuning fork to, am I in my current true voice? And Mm -hmm. I like how you also said, hey, it's a dynamic process. Your beliefs may not be the same beliefs. In fact, they shouldn't be the same beliefs tomorrow that they are today. If they are, 
you probably just landed on something that sounds comfortable that's based in bias that is what you know your friends and family believe in or something like that and it's a sort of a hang on place it's like hanging on to a ledge versus can i just let go of the ledge altogether and just be present in the here and now can i be that willing to go into the unknown that i'm not trying to impress anyone i'm not trying to play it safe with my opinions. I'm just letting go altogether. Hmm. Sam, I, I, uh, I love where we are. And um, I think, you know, there's another piece here that while you were speaking came to my mind that I've actually never heard anybody speak towards. So I wonder if that doesn't mean that me and you can't speak towards it, but it's, it's a really fascinating phenomenon. It's probably wrong. It's dead wrong, I'm no doubt. So here we, here we go. <laughs> you know, we, we often speak to the listener being responsible for creating the safety, the safe uh, circle or the safe space uh, for the speaker to speak their truth. Like the listener has to be responsible for the allowance of the speaker to actually speak their truth that the safety uh, that, that needs to be created inside the realm of the conversation should be created in some degree by the listener showing that it's okay to speak whatever it is that you have to say, that I'm still going to be here, that I'm still going to embrace you or your thoughts, or that I'm going to be uh, listening enough and not, and not hurt you with a misread of what your intention might have been uh, you know, taking it personally or becoming um, assaulted or becoming vindictive. Like in some ways, in order for a speaker to speak into their true voice, they have to at least trust the listenership to be available to receive it. All right. So that, that well, one I've heard. Well said. Well said. Yeah, that one I've heard. But it's the opposite one I want to point to, which is something like, how safe is it for me to actually listen, to, to stop everything? How important, or in, in other words, how safe is my environment enough to let it go so that I can, the safety of becoming a listener, not, in other words, that listener isn't just the owner of the playground. There has to be something in the exchange that allows me to be willing to give up on the strategy, the tactical strategy of setting up that which I need to say halfway through what you're talking. And now I'm just waiting for the bus to arrive when you're done spitting your noise out of that pie hole of yours <laughs> versus really, and this is the case in this one too, by the way, when I, when this little bell rang where I was thinking about the safety of listening, I was like, hurry up, Sam, because um, I'm not listening to you anymore, but I want to spit out this very cool thing. <laughs> and there's, and there's that's what's true for you you know it's it's like a safety has to occur for the listener to actually give up that which they otherwise would be doing if they weren't listening in order to open up and be effectively there to receive the purity of what it is that the speaker is trying to emanate there's a safety in listening that has to be paid attention to. I'm not going to be as safe as I am with you. And it's taken some time even with you. I mean, we're pretty safe. We, we, I think our listeners by this time, if they've heard us more than once or even today, can realize that we go pretty deep in our exchanges and we can have a fun time. 
but I'm not going to be this safe with anyone else. Maybe Alexander, my wife, but just really with the two of you, there's a special space that I can go. I can be a listener. Even if I'm a lousy listener, I can let go of my life and be so curious about what it is that you're bringing forth that I'm willing to drop those things, which I otherwise am hanging on to, like you mentioned, uh, Mm -hmm. as a listener, instead of, um, I'm making myself entirely available for what it is that you're trying to that you're um, that you're uh, yeah efforting to express. I, I it's going to take something for me to do that. Yeah, and it makes me you know as you're talking, I'm realizing you, we can we can both only go so far as we are hanging on to our individual cliffs. And that is the limit to which we can evolve together since evolution really is a, a an evolution of beliefs it's an evolution of memes ideas etc that's what that's the one thing that no matter how much we work on our beliefs we'll always be stuck with beliefs because beliefs are part of what make the human psyche so it's like to the degree to which we need feel the need out of safety to hold on to that cliff and not fully let go is the degree to which not only you and me but you and anyone else or me and anyone else will be able to co-evolve and contribute to each other's evolution. I don't even know if evolution is even the right term per se. It's just, it's this evolution is another sloppy abstraction when it comes to the psyche. I'm not even sure it applies necessarily, but for lack of a better term, we will only be able to, sort of move, let's just use movement because it has less of a, a, a sort of a, a historical kind of context to it. Let's just use movement. It's a neutral term. The, the less we'll be able to move together. If we are holding on to, to the rock, the tightness of our grip will dictate how much we can move together. And that's true for any relationship, any dynamic. Well, I, and then I guess since there are two people holding on to a rock, it's sort of the one that's holding on to tightest is the limiting factor. It can only go as far as the one who is holding on to their own issues, the tightest. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, I think that's that's accurate. Hmm. Yeah, and and the, and then the question is, is what? It, how do we measure that tightness? And mm-hmm. I think it's also something that is dynamic, because it might be different in this moment than it was in the moment before. There might be more of a letting go that's happening in this moment than there was five minutes ago. So we can't, or even 30 seconds ago. So we can't, we can only measure it qualitatively in the moment, how much we were either gripping onto the ledge or letting go. That's something that we have to play moment by moment by moment, not something that there will be any absolute sort of thing to. Uh, yeah, and as I evaluate the specialness of our of our relationship when we take these conversations, whether it's you know you know whether we're intoxicated or whether it's early morning or whether we're on to business or we're intoxicated in the early morning, <laughs> or, or, or being in enti- yeah two or three of yeah, these no, that generally doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is uh, you know is um, one of the reasons that I think this sort of works is. Because of what you're saying, there are, I think there are times where I'm hanging on to the ledge 
uh, uh, less tight than you and other times where I'm hanging on to the ledge tighter than you. Mm. Uh, and that, and both of us are, are, are out there far enough that uh, we hang on to the ledge less tight than almost anybody, you know, anyone in our circles anyways. We're, we're like, whatever, you don't know shit. You know, we, we can tell people, no, seriously, all the shit you just said that you think you know, no, you don't. And can we just start there, you know? And neither do we. And neither that's, do we. That, that, that's, the, that's the other that's part the of that. If you're going to tell someone that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, you have to say, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about either. Right. Like, that has to be acknowledged, uh, oh, yeah. implicit in that communication. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I Otherwise, it appears that the someone has some sort of ego domination or right answer that the other doesn't possess. But that isn't tr- a true voice either. An ego voice is not a true voice. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So this idea of, you know, I don't know anything. You don't know anything. Start from there. And I don't even know that I don't know anything is another problem here. You know, I don't even know that I don't even know anything because who am I to say that what I know or what, you know, it gets... <laughs> it can become a pretty serious house of mirrors in in uh, uh, in a minute, you know. Um, so, um, well, and that's where you also don't want to go down that rabbit hole because then it will become a conceptually sort of self defeating way of moving, and it that, that too doesn't create movement. So we have to just come back to the context, the feeling sense of the context that's happening right now, as opposed to going down a conceptual rabbit hole of what we do or don't know. Yeah, that's true. It gets pretty complicated. And, you know, I'm always left with being the guy who's got something to say, like, oh, so, yeah, what about, you know what I'm about? So what about those Dodgers? What, what about those Giants? <laughs> <laughs> you got to add, you know, you got you to gotta take a pin out and blow the bubble up or otherwise uh, – uh, we could both be institutionalized. You know, we need to be a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. And and really, at the end of the day, this stuff is both completely important and not important, too. You know, it's important in the sense that, hey, let's consider our lack of knowing anything and that that's actually consistent with truth. Let's consider that in every interaction because that's a very different mindset than coming from my truth is an amalgamation of my opinions. It's actually kind of the opposite. It's saying, let's like, let's consider the fact that all of our truths are merely perspective and bias and beliefs. They have nothing to do with each other. And so we're not going to find some kind of agreement and like, no matter who you are or what you are and what you're doing, like my judgments, those are my judgments. Those are my conditioning, my biases. I have to own that. You know, does it mean that people are going to do stuff that I don't agree with? Absolutely it is. But it's also my biases, my projections, my et cetera, that is out of sync with what their biases, beliefs, conditioning is as well. Fantastic. Fantastic point. All right, Sam, I'm going to give some people uh, an opportunity to call us, call us in. Apparently, we had someone call us in uh, last time, call in to us uh, last time, but we missed it. So uh, if that person's listening Uh, again, you know, maybe they were like riveted, couldn't wait until six o'clock Pacific this next Tuesday so they could catch the True Voice show. It's possible that we have a little audience out there who's just like, just like, you know, pulled over on the side of the road because they know they shouldn't be driving while they're taking on this level of conversation. It's entirely possible someone has a cell phone and they're just waiting for me to finally give that number so that they can give us a call and share with us how idiotic we sound or that they're aligned <laughs> or that they don't, they don't know shit either or whatever they want to say. 
Uh, so you can actually call this podcast the You Don't Know Shit, the You Don't Know Shit podcast. We, the We Don't Know Shit podcast. That's kind of not a bad name, by the way. We can no, look at that. And the number, could we make a custom number that's like 1-800-NO-SHIT-1 yeah. or something like that? Well, here's the number, one 627 6008 so if you want to give us a call, we would love to have you uh, speak to you uh, as, as our, our first outside caller. So that's 1-888-627-6008. I'm Dr. Fred. This is Sam. When we come back, we're going to talk about the illusion of death. And before that, um, welcome to humanity. What about those giants? And how about a commercial? Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Fred again. I wanted to explain to you a little bit about one of the names I have called the Undoctor. What is the Undoctor? Well, after about 15 years in the field of me being misaligned with what I was doing, because I was medicating people even knowing that medications were not the right answer, and I was diagnosing people even though I didn't always believe that they had the diagnosis that I said that they had, even though they did meet the criteria, etc. I like seeing humans for exactly who they are and who they're not, and not as a diagnosis. So in 2006, I began the process of becoming the undoctor. I unmedicated, undiagnosed, and then undoctrinated a bunch of people. Like people no longer had to come to a psychiatrist because their condition's clear. This isn't true for everyone. It may not be true for you, but for some folks who know that their diagnosis doesn't fit and who know that they don't want to keep going through with medications and don't want to be seen as someone who's defective or afflicted, this turned out to be a great intervention. Over time, I stopped doing that and I no longer do a whole lot of conventional psychiatry. Now I just help people walk through their life and find their true voice. I connect with people straight up, not as if there's a power gradient between a doctor and a patient, but it's two humans connecting and resonating with each other. As it turns out, that's where all healing emanates from. So today, I've developed the Welcome to Humanity brand over the last six or seven years, and that really takes into consideration all of this. It is self-explanatory. Basically, each and every experience that we have with humanity is just as exquisite as another, even if it's deeply uncomfortable. From there, we get to actually share these human experiences. From there, we get to resonate and connect. And from there, healing takes place. I also have been helping people with their true voice, and that's why you're here today at True Voice with Dr. Fred. I help people find that true voice, really their authentic self, their core value system, and then deliver it effectively into a world that is eagerly awaiting to hear you. Without your voice, no one will ever hear you. And without your true voice, no one will ever know you. But with your true voice, you can find healing, peace, and love. True voice is what it takes to end all wars. So welcome to True Voice with Dr. Fred. Yeah, nice. Pretty cool commercial overall. So um, here's what we got. <laughs> this idea of death, Sam. Yeah. 
everybody is so flippant afraid of dying that they're willing to kill themselves in order to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Like it may not be everybody who's willing to do it, mm-hmm. but people are so afraid of the concept of death that they're pretty sure that it's unacceptable, unmanageable and intolerable at such a high level that they will do anything, including kill another person, including kill themselves, including hold themselves back from doing something they know they should do or could do, or that including lie, cheat, and steal, including sell their kids, including nearly everything. What is the deal with people's like entire terror about the only thing in life that is an inevitable that is that is inevitable? Yeah. Yeah, and I get that we're talking about physical death here. When the physical body eventually stops functioning and deteriorates. And I would love to just bring that in back into the moment to moment, the day to day, because on a metaphysical level, we are constantly dying in every moment. There is no continuity that is measurable in any way other than our own brains trying to make sense of the passing of time and the changing of physical elements. So really the life death thing is a conceptual thing and it's occurring constantly. You and I are not, we have all, we are already dying in every given moment. And I think that it's that recognition, like this, I think it's really sad when it comes all the way back to this moment right here, because the concept of death is right here with us right now. It's not in the future. It's not something that we'll find out about in the future. It's something that is actually here right now that we're projecting our beliefs about unconsciously and consciously. And we're, only able to evolve in our own lives in an intentional manner to the degree to which we are able to die to that, which we actually are not. And it's my willingness or unconscious willingness to hold on to who I think I am. That is actually, and, and, and fear who I could become. That's the, that's the death thing. If I, if I am going to become something new, then I have to die to the old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why more people don't evolve. They don't live in a way that is intentional and they live in a way that's blaming the world on why things are the way they are and blaming themselves on why they are the way that they are. But really all it is, is the fear of death brought back here into the here and now because what we're fearing is the loss of the continuity of who we believe ourselves to be. Wow. Yeah, let's see. Wow. It's a, it's a, it's a really, it seems really profound. And at the same time, it's so central to the entire human experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you know the 
when you start looking at why people don't evolve is that they're unwilling to die. What an extraordinary, uh, you know, what an extraordinary interface of two ideas that maybe didn't appear to be um, uh, complementary and uh, and um, uh, um, positively correlated with each other. Yeah, we don't even have to fear losing the physical body. We're all, we're fearing losing the psychic body, right? The body of beliefs of identity. We're fearing losing that. Interesting. Like, the physical body is like that's just a projection of that that which we're actually fearing, which is losing the temporal body. The, now, if the first half of the show wasn't complicated enough, I want to draw back to it right now, which is. What we're speaking to is this idea that true voice is a, is a dynamic experience. And in fact, true voice alters over time. Otherwise, we're fearing the evolution. This idea of what you said, you know, if we're saying the same thing today that we said that um, that we said yesterday, um, then probably we're just hanging on to something that's you know, popular in our particular circle uh, or works to look like we're up to something or, you know, has some sort of secondary effect. Whereas Mm. if we say something that is coming from now that is altered somewhat from what we said last time uh, and it resonates like that tuning fork, there is an implication there that something died. Something I allowed it to die and or we allowed it to die and then tumbled into the emptiness that allowed for the creation of a new way of uh, of approaching that which we're now um, that we're now addressing. Like something had to die in order for me to uh, create something novel from the here and now. I had yeah. to give up on that identity. And I'll tell you what, that is just not, a, it, I'll tell you why it's not simple. It is simple to do. If everyone was doing it, it would be a freaking simple thing to do. If every, really, if everyone was doing it, if this was just a natural course of affairs that people just did that and then we counted on each other to do that, it, was, it seems like it would be a lot easier to just acknowledge that and see that that's how humanity really rolls in our mind. But since no one's doing it or very few people are doing it and expect you to absolutely hold on to exactly what you said yesterday or else and don't change your uh, viewpoint on any particular tactical issue because that'll mean that you're um, not telling the truth and can't be respected. Um, I, I want to say that it is in the prevailing conversation that get that dying again, dying again, dying again, dying again. And that's only for the last like, you know, three minutes. Uh, sort, sort of looks like a Debbie Downer, you know, sort of looks like, no, I'm not willing to hang on to that either. I get how brilliant that is. I get how nice sounding, how seductive that type of thinking is. And no, that's not it either. You know, and I'm willing to give that up and go into the next next round of the amusement park. Thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm following what you're saying. I started listening to my dog scratching at the door there while you were in the middle of explaining what you're explaining. But yeah, dying again and dying again and dying again. And it it 
it only I think it only appears scary and appears dark because it's like it's like um if I had a great picture of myself that uh, I really just liked looking at. And it was just, someone took a fantastic photo and I was wearing just the right clothes and, you know, this and that. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, you know what? This is the photo I want to keep seeing. Essentially, that's what what we're talking about here, but we're just talking about it on all dimensions of our beliefs about ourselves, that somehow that picture of ourselves equates to the real thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just a photograph. It's a still image of a moment in time. And the only thing that would really ultimately, on as far as I can tell, prevent us from wanting to get rid of that photograph is it contains beliefs that we feel are making us safe. Hmm. Let's talk to this safety thing. This is a, also a really interesting thing. In one of my uh, keynote speaking, uh, in speeches, um, I speak to this safety, uh, this, this illusion of safety that what you're talking about seems to represent. The idea that, um, so tell me how ludicrous this sounds to you, but it's what, uh, it's what we humans do. The idea that we pretend to be someone we're not in order to protect the person that we are. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's equally as ironic as what you were talking about earlier in terms of the fact that people die in order to save themselves from death. Yeah. People kill themselves. Yeah. Kill themselves. Yeah. In order to prevent death. In order to prevent death. So trying to be someone, actually choosing to be someone you're not in order to protect the person you are. It's not very, it's not it's not very smart. It, do, it doesn't really work. Uh, so you might say, well, yeah, but when I try to be someone I'm not, then I can't get my heart broken. Mm. Because my heart is not what's out there. Instead, mm. I got this like uh, fake, so, fake little, you know, this, this uh, artificial thing that looks like a heart. Uh, it's like a, you know, it's like a plastic flower, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not a real heart, and really, people who are who are uh, detectors of actual heartfelt conversation will they will certainly see that it's not from your heart that you're being. The safety that you're speaking of is so interesting. You know, I learned when I was a child that if I lied or altered my truth in such a way that I could get some immediate gains. If I screamed louder than I needed to in the grocery store, I would guess my mom was more likely to buy me some candy. Like right now, actually buy it, open it up, and then go through the aisles with me sucking on a new level of like, you know, lollipop. We learned early on that not being ourselves paid dividends. Now, we still hold on to the idea that it's harder to tell the truth than it is to lie. What? How could that be true, Sam? There's so much work that goes into creating a lie. And not only that, a lie has to take in consideration everything about the truth in order to be invented properly. 
Like you have to take the prevailing facts into consideration and apply those in a way that it makes it actually more uh, believable, more presentable, like more compelling than the actual truth might have been. That's your attempt anyways. Yeah, well, I think that this could go uber conceptual unless we try to define here what what we're talking about in terms of a lie is there's what i would look at as conscious intentional lying like i know that this is not the truth but i'm going to manipulate this conversation in such a way where i am able to get what i think that i want so that would be one form of lying and then there would be another form of lying which is more elusive and insidious because it's not actually we're not conscious of it we're living in a way that is not distruthful but still out of sync with full authenticity i think the the term lie automatically tends to bring along with it an energy of shame yeah and we can't be shamed for that that we are unaware of that we are doing So in this sense, we could look at it, and most of us, I mean, I think all of us actually should say are are unaware of what we're doing. Even those who are consciously lying on some deeper level are unaware of the fact that the thing that they think is lying is actually lying. Is it? I know for me. But lying without shame, I'm sorry to interrupt, but lying without shame and being forgiving of the lie because we're all to a certain degree at any given moment capable of going into a lie. And most likely we'll go into that lie to a degree just to pretend that who we are is the amalgamation of our beliefs Mm. and not a present moment, just sort of pure, innocent consciousness Mm. has no story to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we make stuff up. And whether it's conscious or unconscious, look, there are times when I'm like, you know what? I better tell a lie right now. And then I tell it. Just wing it. Like, oh, the truth is going to be pretty messed up here. So I, I better like say no if the answer is yes or say she did it when I did it or blame you know traffic jam or momentary lapse of reason and that's one kind of lie but there's this other kind of lie that you're talking about which is insidious and almost unintentional that and that one by the way that i just described seems like it naturally comes with shame that i not also need to keep buried instantly if i don't want it to be the overriding force so it's like along with it, it comes lie plus shame. I'll bury the shame. I'll slip that under the rug, sit on it, put my dog on it, cover it up with another rug, do whatever I need to do. And, uh, you know, I just lie because, frankly, the truth would have been too difficult to deliver. And so I'm lying in order to protect myself. Like, Well, it gets pretty nasty when you think about it. But the, the other one is one where I believe what I'm hearing you say is a natural human experience of not telling the truth to some degree, 
which comes with almost every time that we speak. It's more and fundamental. That, it's fundamental. It's more fundamental. And without it, without that, that lie, without that more fundamental unconscious lie, I don't think we actually are capable of the conscious lies. Uh-huh. Like if we're not already on some level bullshitting ourselves about what we think is going on and who we think we are to at least a degree, then we're not going to bullshit others. But this one, the one you're talking about is somehow uh, liberated from shame as being a, um, a prerequisite component of the experience. It's a prerequisite, exp- uh, yeah, a component of the experience of the conscious lie, exactly. Yeah. And yet, I'll tell you when shame falls in. Mm. When I realize at some level, when I observe retrospectively that I had been chronically lying about an issue in order to protect some part of my identity or self or an issue that I didn't even know I was lying about. There's like a double whammy to pay at that moment. Cause now I am very upset that I just caught myself lying. Like now I got to explain that not, you know, like, oh, wow, I'm just, a you know, and that equates easily to me thinking that I'm a bad person or a, a diminished soul or a jaded screwball. Right, 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 right. So, so my take on that is that the origins of the lie are the, the fundamental lie that we develop so young that we don't even realize we're developing around it or in what I mean by that is where there is emotional wounding and a sense of separation, the scared child within all of us, that psyche that just wants to recede and go under the mattress and hide and pretend it doesn't exist. That aspect of our psyche is that which still in our adult lives fails to sense its safety when it's being completely truthful and so chooses to lie because it feels like there's no other way, way forward. So the shame is really the, the understanding it from your adult mind that that actually is not representative of who you believe yourself to be and want to be. So the shame is, I don't want to be that, but the wounded psyche is saying, I am that. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Well, we got to bring these people who have been following. If you're still with us, by the way, if you've been listening to this show for 50 minutes and you're still hanging and you're going, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And you're like still here wondering what the next piece of stuff is that we're going to say, then it's real important that you subscribe to the show. Like it's real important that you give us uh, the kudos that you're here listening to us because that's what's going to move the show forward. I find this conversation completely uh, fascinating and fundamentally central to what it is to be human. It's not the only conversation we could have. We could actually talk about the giants and we could also make that conversation be uh, fundamentally about being human. Sure. When we look square down the barrel at the issues of death and life and the issues of truth and 
um, and, and lies and the impact that being any of these things has on who we get to be as our small self or large self or true self or, uh, or, um, or false self, um, we start being able to look at how everything that we think of is that we don't know anything and everything we think of is simply a thought and frankly, an intrusion to what might really be so, especially if we become a fully attached to what we think as if it really is so. And off to the races we go. Now, the truth is, as Sam and I were talking, and as I talk right now, just like Sam is saying in this idea that I want to go hide under the bed, I'm afraid that this is going to be too much. I'm afraid that I'm going to turn people off or that I'm exposing too much vulnerability to my humanity by showing that, in fact, I don't know what I thought I knew anyways. And that maybe like some nefarious forces are going to come and like hurt me uh, for saying my truth. I am just as tempted to now say something untrue in order to protect myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tie it all back together so that we can get back to the, (laughs) the the, the bullshit. (laughs) Exactly. The bullshit of belonging. Uh, let me see if I can wind this back in so we didn't have to actually go to as authentic a place as we did. We didn't actually have to leave it as true as we left it. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what we do. And we got to hurry up and do that because we only got some sort of minutes left. And even the technology guy who's on with us, he's like, these dudes are freaking (laughs) crazy. So I know he loves us and I know he likes doing our show, but, um, you know, and hopefully he appreciates the conversation and I hopefully uh, you listeners do as well. Sam, the hour has gone by fast and we're ready to say goodnight, goodbye, uh, you know, arrivederci, shalom and all that. Is there anything you want to say in closing? It sure is fun having these conversations in public with you. You know, I think we said about all there is to say in our conversation, everything else is just sort of a branch from that. Yeah. Well, maybe the next time we should talk, we should probably wait for a few months to talk because I'll probably forget a lot of what we said. And now we can revisit this stuff from whatever oh, I am. Cool. Yeah, it's worth repeating. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. And, you know, and hopefully we won't repeat the same shit because that'll show that uh, we were hanging on to the ledge and we didn't uh, we didn't evolve. So we can even evolve sure. on how we're looking there at this. There you go. Yeah. I never know if Sam is good for me or not. It seems like he is. Uh, if you all got votes on that, you can let me know too. It is my show. If you think Sam has hurt me, then you got to let me know and I won't have him on as a guest and I may even lose him as a friend. But if you, if you think this is worthwhile, these conversations and love for you to pipe in. It's been a deep pleasure having you here. I hope you enjoyed wherever you are around the world. Um, it really is an honor to represent, you know, True Voice with Dr. Fred. And, and we got to a little bit deeper here today. You can find me at Dr. Fred at WelcomeToHumanity.net. You can find me uh, at my book uh, where we take a deeper dive into finding your true voice. That book is remark- has a remarkable title. Uh, it's called Find Your True Voice. And you can, you can find, find that book at FindYourTrueVoiceBook.com where I'll send you an actual copy of that book. And uh, and then we can talk about it afterwards if you like. And then um, I have a discovery call that I'm offering to listeners. If you want to just speak to what you would uh, like to speak to regarding maybe the undoctor, uh, staying out of the allopathic medical complex uh, or feeling like the com- like you're almost ready to depart the complex. And I can help with that. 
but there's other aspects as well. Creating a community that is completely committed to speaking true voice and authentically listening, because frankly, there are a lot of problems in the world, but none of them are more rich than the fact that we are no longer collectively speaking our true voice as a uh, race, as a human consciousness. And therefore, without speaking our true voice collectively, we are not we don't have any chance uh, uh, to deal with the challenges that are uh, pending and awaiting us, or at least theoretically are awaiting us. Without that conversation, we won't be able to deal with any of them. Even a small fire will grow to a forest fire without an extinguisher, and the extinguisher here is our true voice. So I invite you to really take on if this is not a, um, this is not an option, actually. If you don't speak your voice, no one will ever hear you. And if you don't speak your true voice, no one will ever know you. And there is no more tragic life than to live all these years and have nobody ever know you. We got, you got something to say and we're ready to hear it and it's time to say it well, no matter what it is. As long as you speak it from your heart and resonate with your own self or at least head in that direction, I'm game to listen to whatever it is you have to say about anything. And I think that's the beauty of authenticity. That's the tuning fork uh, that we were speaking of regarding True Voice. So welcome to humanity. Welcome to True Voice. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Sam, for co-hosting another time. Uh, folks, we'll catch you on the flip side next Tuesday. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, Techno. It's been great to be with you. Thank you, John and Doug. Thank you for the platform. Peace, everyone. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye for now. See you, Sam. See you, Fred. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and I just wanted to thank you for getting through another episode of True Voice with Dr. Fred. Wasn't that great? It is so much fun to interact with people and then interact with my listenership about really finding True Voice and then bringing it forward. I really have never done anything more important than this, and I'm finally aligned with myself by helping others find their True Voice. Let's find your alignment. What do you really want in your life? 